What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Show and go episode seven. Today is Tuesday, January 31st. Jack McMullen, Taylor Davis. We're talking nomad life today. That was our plan last week. And then Taylor, right when we hopped on the Zoom, was like, you know what? <laughs> I've got a real problem with how you guys are evaluating prospects and how the industry is evaluating prospects. And I was like, ah, sh- sh- all right, damn. So we got to do that now. But now I want to talk about the nomad life because that is something that the baseball fan does not really understand at all. And For to sure. be honest, I didn't understand it much either until I was a couple years into broadcasting minor league games. Because you guys are living out of suitcases for six months a year. I want to start with um, what happened with you last year when you were added to the taxi squad and then you were in Pittsburgh for a minute and then you were back in Indy. Like that was just crazy. I want to start with the extreme example and then I want to get into what your career looked like on a moving basis. But you're coming to us from Southern Indiana, like just north of Louisville. You live there. You just live out of hotels and stuff when you're everywhere else, right? Yeah. So I think most guys have a home base uh, somewhere. Um, typically, it's not where the team is. Now, what I'll tell you is that, at least from my experiences, that is a little um, – that is something that's, a, like, a little special for baseball. It seems like like a lot of football guys, I think, like, move to where they're at. Um, a lot of the, the basketball guys will move to where they're at. Baseball guys don't typically – Sometimes they'll buy houses like, uh, you know, if you've signed a big contract, I'm sure Garrett Cole bought a house in New York, stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, guys are going to have a home base that is not at where their spring training site is or where their where their year, where their season's going to be. Typically, just because you don't know where it's going to be, you know, most of the most of the league has the ability to get traded and moved and and released and re-signed and doing all that during the year. So you really don't know. So buying a house in a, in a certain place isn't necessarily always the best financial decision for yourself. Um, when it comes to me. Yeah. I mean, the past few years for me have been an absolute zoo, you know, right. like, I mean, let's start. I mean, honestly, we can take this all the way back to like 2019. Um, this is like the extreme, extreme example, man, like 29 or 2020, sorry, 2020. I, uh, I, we were looking for a place to rent. I signed with the Orioles for spring training and we were looking for a place to rent in Sarasota. Um, for those who have ever tried to find housing in Sarasota in spring, it is uh, a little expensive. Okay. So, so I found a house that was unfurnished and I decided I was going to build some furniture. And so what I did is I built a table. Let's see. I actually, I got one of the tables right here, but I, I built a, a, like a kitchen table I built a TV stand. We bought a couch when we got there. I bought a foldable bed frame, a and then two uh, twin size memory foam mattresses, and then I bought a trailer, and a covered trailer, and I and I built shelves within this trailer and got containers so we could put everything in there. Yeah. And so we packed it all up and went right. Like I tell everybody, we're a traveling circus. Like. We two dogs, a baby, and we got a trailer. So we're going. We get to Florida. Everything's cool. All this, you know, we get moved in. Everything was great. It would have been fantastic, except we go through first major league event. There was like a there was like a country concert. I think it was at um, 
the Ed Smith Stadium. And so me and my Brown's, wife, uh, country tour. I don't is remember it? what it was. I don't. I have no idea what it was. It was like a local country thing or something. Oh, gotcha. So it wasn't Zach Brown. Gotcha. No, it was not Zach Brown. Ben. My wife did go to high school with Chris Stapleton, though. Oh, that is cool. That's really cool. Shout out, name drop. Um, <laughs> so um, anyway, so my wife steps out of the car, steps into like a pothole in this in this parking lot, falls, lands on her elbow, breaks her arm. Mm. My dad had dropped us off. My my parents were gonna watch the watch our son while we were at this event. So my dad drops us off, hasn't pulled out of the parking lot yet. We get back in and head straight to the urgent care. Broken arm. She can't lift anything heavier than a, a gallon of milk for the next uh, three weeks. Which, like, yeah, that sucks. Where it really sucks is when is COVID hits. Like two days later, yeah. COVID hits, and so I am now handling so now so like and and for those at home like when covid hit and you guys were wondering what was going to happen so were we mm-hmm. um we were at spring training and and we were getting calls one day saying go ahead and go home we were getting calls the next day saying ah wait around we don't know what's going to happen so for like a week we hung around uh long story short they ended up telling us to go home so i spent 36 hours packing up this trailer by myself Oof. And the thing that really sucked was like my poor wife could like watch our son, but she couldn't, she couldn't do a whole lot more. So like if he needed to be fed or changed or something, like I was stopping, uh, like packing, packing to go do that. And then I'd finish. And then like, I ran out of room. So like, this was also during that time, there was like, um, a food shortage because of COVID. Right. Everybody went to the grocery store and hoarded. It was, Toilet dude. paper, paper towels, and like canned foods and shit. Dude, so we went and bought. I'm, I'm. We went and bought a cooler and bought like two hundred dollars worth of food that we were gonna bring home with us because we we're like, we don't know if we're gonna be able to get food when we get home. Right. We get it all, dude. I could not fit everything in our car. So <laughs> like in our minds, like we're like, all right, like the first thing to go is all this food that we just bought. Like, not the kid. All right, throw it all out. <laughs> Which, first by the way, the kid. To be honest, $200 of food right now is like two dozen eggs and a gallon of milk. But, right. um, you know, at the time it was a decent amount of food anyway. Um, so that was like the worst story of our, uh, of our, I'm at like midnight buying a like truck topper, putting like a, right. a, a SUV, uh, bat- topper bag, filling extra stuff in our, in our thing. But, um, so how do you go about it? You mentioned that, you know, you obviously did this when you were in Sarasota and it was put everything away, um, and then pick it all up and go home. Yeah. Do you find a place to rent whenever you go to Arizona or Florida for a spring training? Yeah. So, so like the reality of what, of what, like most of the guys end up doing is, which is why it's so difficult. Arizona and Florida, those areas, especially Arizona, um, those those houses, like those homeowners, you can make your your yearly mortgage in the two three months in, in February and March. Yeah. Um, th- those people, which like, there's nothing wrong with it if you can do it, do it. That's what market value is. We talk about that. Right. But uh, th- those so like it's really difficult for us to find places that will rent to us for a couple months. Lots of Airbnbs, lots of VRBOs. Lots of short-term apartment, like a short-term, uh, yeah, like corporate housing type things. Corporate housing, if you can, you know, it just depends on what you can afford, really, right? right. Like if, if you're if you have a budget big enough, 
not a huge deal. When you're a minor league free agent, you haven't been to the big leagues yet, pretty big deal. And it's kind of hard to find housing. So typically, you'll just try to find a place for a, for a month or two. Most of the time, you're going to try to find furnished. Like everybody's going to try to find furnished. I will say there's a little bit of a push the past few years of guys like, we'll buy an unfurnished place. We'll buy the cheapest possible bed and we'll buy a futon and we'll buy and a it. folding table and we'll just leave it. Um, you know, we'll just throw it away at the end. It's cheaper than renting furniture. And in the end, if it's cheaper than renting a furnished place, sometimes that works. The biggest, like the biggest like difference is guys with families, guys without families, right? Guys with families. Um, you know, that's really difficult for us, especially, you know, you got a pet or something, you're trying to find places. If you don't have a family, you can kind of have a little bit of fun with it. If you got a group of dudes that's that's willing to uh to, to kind of make it work, you can make it work. You know, finding cool spots in maybe not the best parts of town, um, going to the best parts of town and not getting the best spots, it's yeah. kind of fun. Right. And the other thing that that jumps out to me about that was when I was at the lower levels of like when I was short season ball with the Nats, um, you know, I was talking to guys who were living with host families and things like that. And obviously host families. Yeah, really cool. I'm sure everybody that's listening to this podcast understands the concept of a host family. Um, you know, you had one when you were out on Cape Cod for that collegiate summer league. Um, they will, you know, these families that live in the surrounding area will take a player in. We don't need to spend much time on that. The thing that interests me the most is the animal house type stories you hear of six, seven guys sharing a one bedroom apartment when they get to low A or high A. Um, do you have any good stories about you? Maybe in the beginning of your college career, maybe in the beginning of your professional career, like sharing a one bedroom with, I don't know, six guys. I don't have any of those. <laughs> I've got some good ones. Like I've got, I don't have any horror stories. So actually I'll tell you like when, um, the 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 person who one of the one of the lawyers that is in charge that was in charge of the class action suit against major league baseball yeah um called me this was this would have been in like 2014 or 15 they were going to try to do a special on hbo and he called me and he said hey i'd like to hear your stories and so i told him a couple and he like got to the end of me talking i was like no i want to hear like those horror stories wow. i want to hear the one and i'm like honestly man i don't really have any of those like i've got funny stories like the first my first uh full season i was in peoria and it wasn't me but one of the apartments at our apartment complex everybody had moved out of the apartment and the apartment and nobody that came to fill those guys spots moved into Literally. their apartment yeah and they were going to evict them because they hadn't, they weren't going to pay rent. I mean, obviously they have the, you know, legal, they have the legal capability of doing so. Right. Uh, it was, it was kind of sad. They wouldn't like work with them. You had that. I stayed at like, I'll tell you this. I've definitely stayed at a couple places. Like when I was traveling without my wife, I stayed at a few places that my wife said she would not stay with me. I believe if that. that tells you anything about it. I stayed at, okay. This is probably my favorite. And I stayed at this place twice. Okay. This place in Arizona I wish I remember the name of it had to be, it was like an old motel and they had furnished this old motel with like a dining room table. It had a kitchen, cheap couch, cheap bed. And there was a pool and a hot tub at this place. It wasn't great. Wow. And the, the owners lived there. It was this old woman, an old man. They didn't have a computer in their office. They had a typewriter to oh. make their contracts. 
and they didn't have a credit card reader. <laughs> and it was only month to month. Oh, dude. Yeah. I, we got approached by some interesting individuals there. Uh, uh-huh. But, you know, like, that's all work. Like, that's where I tell you, like, dude, I loved living at that place. It was super cheap. I walked across the street to Quick Trip. I could go get my little my little cold sub on the way home. Right. Um, but no, man, like, I, I do think that happened. I think that as as the the as ba- as we went on in baseball, like the past 10 years or so, you'll hear those stories and, and you'll de- I'll, here's what I'll tell you too is like I almost think you see those more in like the hotels that some of those short season teams stayed in like mm-hmm. those are some of the horror stories I remember seeing some like Snapchat stories of people like the bed bugs and the water like right. the roof bursting open with water and stuff but right. thank goodness this was all it, it all felt pre-COVID I think when COVID hit um, not only did Major League Baseball start to intervene, but a lot of the organizations decided to pony up and said, you know what, like we got to take better care of, of the future of our organizations. And uh, I'd say all 30 organizations are doing a much better job now than they were doing almost pre-COVID, I'd say. So let's jump to now. Um, I know you lived out of a hotel in Indy and that was home base that you were in yeah. Indianapolis, Indy yeah. this year, your home ballpark. I know it was probably half and half, right? Half the guys lived in an apartment complex, which was my old apartment complex. I recently moved out of that spot, but it was right in downtown Indy. Um, And then the other half, if they were possibly there for the whole year, maybe not, they would choose to live out of a hotel. I think you were out of a Homewood. I know some guys when they were there on like rehab assignments were out of the JW, which is right in the outfield of, of the ballpark. And um, you had other guys in the courtyard that was right there. Um, what was the process like deciding to live in a hotel at your home ballpark? Yeah, so so some teams, uh, some teams will cover housing. For the Cubs, example, um, when I was with the Cubs, they if I was in AAA and then I would go to the big leagues. If when I got optioned back down, I could keep both leases and they would cover the one that I wasn't at. Cool. So. So some teams will help more more than others. So like one reason that a lot of guys live in hotels, a lot of minor league free agents live in hotels, especially if they don't have families. Obviously, for me, even if you do have families, a lot of guys will live in hotels because if you go to the big leagues, you don't want to be stuck with a lease. Right. You want to be able to uh, not have to pay two rents and be in the big leagues. Um the the process for me, I mean, honestly, like I lived in a hotel because it was I only lived an hour and a half from home. And I figured that my wife wouldn't want to stay at an apartment if she could go home for the week that we were gone. Right. Um. So but I'll tell you this, like even the hotel search, I did that. Like I I reached out to the hotels. I tried to get like there are a couple hotels that the team helps with and that they'll work with just through their different um, advertising thing. You know, like if the, yeah. the hotel advertises with the team and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but now when it comes to like rehab stuff, typically that's booked by the team and yeah. that's all handled by the team. Occasionally the player will have a say, hey, I don't want to stay there or something like that. Right. But um, the rea- you know, I-, I think that it just depends. This is once again, like if you're not if you don't have a family, the hotel's really not a big deal um, for us. Just because like, we're doing it a lot. If you don't like hotels, you shouldn't play baseball. I'll tell you that right now. Like 
you're going to do it a lot, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, whether you're an announcer, whether you're a staff, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you are a part of a baseball team, a baseball organization, you better like staying in hotels. Yeah. How's your points faring? How are your point totals? Are they good? So typically I will say this too, like one perk of living in the hotel. And one reason that I did it was because my in-season points would pay for my off-season stays. Yeah. So, um, like, for example, when I was with Chicago, I got points in spring training. And so, because I, I didn't stay at a hotel. I only stayed at hotels in spring training when I was with the Cubs. But I would get to keep those points, paid for my hotels anytime I wanted to stop in the offseason. This year, I used all the points from Indy, and we, pay, we went to a, a trip to Disneyland, and it paid for our hotel in Disneyland. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's sick. Um, that helps, you know, yeah. but the uh, the bill wasn't great. I'm sure. I'm sure. Hey, here's the question that is like kind of been burning in my mind. And when I wanted to talk about the nomad life, like this is the one that kind of jumped out to me. How many days do you pack for for a season? Uh-huh. I don't think it's necessarily I, I don't think it's about how many days I pack for it. I have come to a system where. For me, it's like I got a couple pair of jeans that I know I can throw with everything. Mm-hmm. I need at least a khaki and a black pair of pants. I need a khaki and a black pair of shorts. Um, and then I need a few pair of shoes I can throw with anything. And yep. then some shirts. I'm really just trying to build the most like utility-based uh, you know, possible thing because really it needs to be under 50 pounds also. And right. and um, which is just absolutely insane to think about the fact that, you know, we're traveling the entire year with these, you know, trying to do that. And the guys that are staying in hotels, if you're not, if you have more than that, you're on, you're packing up your hotel room, moving it to the locker room. And then when you get home from a road trip, you are bringing that from the locker room, unpacking into a hotel and reaping the process. So it's just not worth it. So uh, most guys like from, so like I, what I'll say is like, I typically, I will pack for the road trip with um, like a big league outfit or two in the bag. Makes sense. So if we go on the road for seven days, I'm packing for that seven days wherever we're going with a nice pair of shoes, a nice pair of pants, and a couple nice shirts. That makes sense. So you are a checked bag and a carry-on pretty much. Checked bag and a carry-on, yep. Wow. And that's pretty consistent. Like almost everybody's a check bag and a carry on. No. Well, so actually here's, here's actually what it is. So, so catchers are checked bag, baseball bag, catchers bag, non catchers are just check bag, baseball bag. Okay. Uh, and then we'll tip most guys. Like I would go carry on like a roller carry on and a backpack. Got it. Okay. Depending on, depending on now, what I'll also say is like, if I'm going on a short trip to a warm place, and I can pack pretty light. I might not take a, a, I might not check something just because I don't want to deal with the airport. Like we, you know, another thing, if you don't like airports, don't play baseball. Correct. You're going to deal with airports so much. And so, you know, there are trips that, uh, you know, there are trips that we would go to when we go to Vegas, if we go to Vegas after a day game and we, and I knew we were going to land in Vegas at, at 5 PM, I would only take a carry on so that I could get to a nice dinner. I'd Uber, I'd carry on. I wouldn't wait for the rest of the team. And I'd Uber to the hotel so I could go to a nice dinner. I wouldn't have to wait for my bag. I didn't have to wait for the bus. Um, So, like, there's some little intricacies in there, you know, like 
some guys will upgrade. It's funny. Like I've had some coaches. I had a guy one time that upgraded his seat and one of the coaches went to upgrade after him and couldn't, it, he got the last one. So That's the awesome. coach took his seat oh. and gave him the middle. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think, um, you know, I, I'm also fascinated by the free agency and the trade thing where, you know, a guy could get DFA'd and they're sitting in limbo for a little bit. And obviously being DFA'd, you've got some time in this middle ground where you don't really know what's going on. So that gives you like 24 to 48 hours to like pack your stuff up and go. Um, although I'm yes. sure you're thinking about other stuff. Well, you're, it gives you time to pack up and go, but if you clear, you don't need to go. Right. So, right. so now you're going to pack up because hopefully you go, you're, you're hoping that somebody claims you. And, you know, I've been, thankfully I've been traded. I, I was actually, I, uh, I was thinking the other day, like, I think I have done almost every possible transaction in the game. So I was free agent. I hold on. I was yeah. drafted. I was a non-drafted free agent. I yeah. was selected. I was optioned. I was designated. I was non-tendered. I will. I have. I have been outrighted. I have been traded. I have been released. Like literally, I think I've done. I think I've done just about all of them. Um, the only one that's missing is arbitration. <laughs> <laughs> I'd tell you what, if you could find a way to get me there, I'd give you a million dollars. So I, but so like when I got traded, when I got traded, thankfully I had my trailer with me, but right. like, here's another example of, of like a mess. I had my trailer with me and my whole family and they said, Hey, like now this was during COVID. So it was a little different because I couldn't fly anywhere at the time I wasn't vaccinated. So I couldn't fly anywhere. Uh, but but I had 2020, had nobody was vaxxed. Let's get that clear. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. We had to, we had to get, um, we had to get, uh, the whole apartment packed and, and like, we needed to leave within like less than 24 hours. We needed to pack up our apartment and go. And we have a one-year-old. So, uh, you know, we had the trailer and we did it. I mean, we got it, we got it going, but like when we left, I didn't have somebody to take over our apartment. It took me two or three weeks to find somebody. Thankfully, somebody took over half of the apartment. And because legally no team had to do anything with it. Otherwise, I would have just been on the hook. And once again, that those people either would have evicted me or I would have had to pay rent the whole time. And yeah. actually, funny story, I, I called him. I was like, hey, can I break the lease early? And uh, I think I had like a month left on the lease or two months left. And they were like, yeah, it'll just be uh, two months. It'll be two months rent plus an extra month's rent for a penalty. I'm like, well, then I'll I'll just pay the two months rent. I don't yeah. I, I won't I won't leave. Um, but like that was an instance where pack up, move. I had to leave that housing, find somebody to take that housing. And the whole time I'm driving, trying to find housing in Indianapolis, trying to find where I'm going to live there for right. us, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my wife and family when we go on the road in two days after I get to end. Right. Right. I that's the crazy thing to me is like, you know, obviously you've got trades and you've got call-ups. Call-ups are very unique and, and you see it at the AAA level, right? Um, and O'Neill Cruz and a blind address, they go up on the same day for the Pirates. You guys were in Gwinnett when that happened and, and they were pulled in on Sunday. I assume they've got some shit in Indy, right? Or, or do they take all their stuff to Gwinnett? Like, 
I'm sure you've been around those guys that need to be there like the next morning. What's the process there? Because obviously they got to book a flight. They got to get on the first flight the next morning. They got to have some stuff with them to survive the couple of days and then they can reassess or they can send somebody to Indy to grab their stuff and somehow get it to Pittsburgh. Like, What's the process like when somebody has to go right now? So typically when you get called up, you have to go right now. Very, most of the time, very rarely are you going to get called up and they're like, hey, um, yeah, take your time. That, That just doesn't happen. Most of the time you're going up and you're going up and you're needing to, you're either going up after a night game to, to, be active for tomorrow's day game uh, or you're leaving after a day game to be active for tomorrow's night game, something like that. Right. Um, The instance with Bly and O'Neill was after a day game in Gwinnett, they had to fly out and be active the next day. Once again, typically guys will bring um, a set of, so, well, you'll kind of pay attention. So if if the team's at home, so like, let's say that I'm in Indy and Pittsburgh's playing at home, but I'm going on the road. If Pittsburgh is going to be at home the whole time on the road, I may bring a pair of white cleats with me or a pair of home cleats with me. Got it. Pants, jerseys, all of that stuff, major league, minor league separate. So, so I don't need to worry about that. I'm going to most, for the most part, I'm going to wear the same stuff under my Jersey. uh, As far as, you know, my, my sliding shorts, my jock strap, my socks, all that stuff is going to be the same, whether I'm playing in India or whether I'm playing in Pittsburgh. So some teams have different colors. If you have different colors, occasionally you'll have to bring an extra undershirt or or whatnot. But like, let's say that you're, you know, if you're uh, even, you know, even when you're like, I I know guys that have been at home, you're at home in Indianapolis and you get called up to go to Pittsburgh, but you don't realize that Pittsburgh's on the road and you only brought white cleats. Actually, I want to say that happened to Bly Madrid's. Bly Madrid's like either I got, he's going to hate me if I get this wrong, but like, he either he either brought white for road games or brought gray for home like forgot his whites and he that's what it was. We were in Gwinnett. He didn't yeah. have his white cleats and right. they you were in bring Pittsburgh. gray for the road. Yeah. So you bring gray or maybe it was Cal Mitchell, but you bring gray, it was Cal Mitchell. But you bring gray. Now, not a huge deal for most, but if you're a big time, I mean if you're if you're a big time Nike guy uh and you don't have your Nike cleats and they don't have an extra size and you've got to wear New Balance, when you play the game, that could be a big deal. Right. Um, now, relative relative big deal, right? Like, you're still going to the big leagues. Like, it's going right. to be sick. But it's still something that'll stress you out and something that'll that'll make you panic. So, once again, I, I would say that most guys prepare when they're packing for the, the road. They prepare for the potential to go to the big leagues. Starting in, you know, some team, depending on the organization – like if you're with the Braves, I think some of those guys probably have to do it in Double A now, right? Like because yeah, you got Grissom going up from Double, you got Michael Harris, Harris going up from Double. So, so I think some of those guys occasionally, and, and you know, the other thing is like, look, man, like the reality is most guys will if your your buddy will give you a pair of cleats, you know, somebody on that team that'll let you borrow something. Like, right? Not too concerned about that. And the clubhouse guys in India or wherever you are, they'll ship your stuff overnight. Um, they'll get it. They'll get it to you in a day and a half. Uh, but you're bringing enough bats to handle the road trip. You're bringing enough bats that, hey, if I break a couple, I'll still have a few. I'll have enough. But, you know, uh, it it's always that, like, you're always playing that, like, that balancing game. Do I bring too much? Do I not bring enough? Here's the other one that I've actually been asked about um, several times before. 
do players buy their own bats or do the teams supply them? Um, minor league players buy their own bats at every level. Major league players in the major leagues get their bats paid for. Wow. That feels backwards. Guy, the, <laughs> the, it's funny. It's funny. The, you know, one of the things that I've learned watching this, going through this process, and it's not even just about baseball, but just fame in general, is that the the wealthier and the more well-known you are, the you less don't you pay, pay for anything. You don't pay for anything. It's crazy. But but yeah, so the, the team will pay for most of your bats in the big leagues and then in the minor leagues. And I think if you're on the roster in the but like if you're on the roster on the minor leagues, I can't remember if you're on the roster in the minor leagues, you might have to pay for your own bats too. But you get bats in spring training. So every team will give you a dozen bats in spring training. Okay. And then like if you've got a bat deal with somebody, maybe you get some bats through that as well. And then depending on the guy, it just depends how many you go through in a year. I never went through that many, thankfully. Um, I uh, I didn't break a ton of bats. I have a crazy collection of bats because of that, thankfully. That's yeah. kind of cool, but um, bats are expensive, man. Like a when nice you're in the man. minor league, so like when you're in the minor leagues, if you're not a if you're not a a big time draft guy, when I was coming up, not all those guys had agents. Like we didn't all have agents. Now I think it's pretty common. You have some sort of an advisor, an agent, just about everybody, but we didn't. And bats are so expensive that that was one of the reasons that I, like, I wanted an agent was just because I didn't want to spend two. I couldn't spend two thousand dollars a year on bats. I mean, yeah, bats are hundred bucks a pop. Right. Yeah, like even if I don't break mer- very many bats a year, let's say I go through fifty, you know, in hundred and fifty games. Let's say I break one every ten games. I'm going through fifteen. It's fifteen hundred dollars. Like. That's not a small sum to a guy that's making at the time making $500 every other week. Right. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, the, the, the bat thing has always been a conundrum. Like in the beginning there, you'll, you hear like the term pro stock. I don't know if you ever heard that term. Yeah. That's just like the, the standard bat that the teams would stock. That's right. what they would have in the back room. They would have a back room filled with like every model um certain size like every size pretty much and you could go back and pick a few here there if you needed it they would have them but they weren't very good bats so guys didn't really like to swing them unless they were in a slump and then you'd be like oh man i gotta go to the pro stock there's definitely hits in there (laughs) i love that um you know the the other thing nomad life that that jumps out to me and this is the last one i've got for you um is the high profile deals where a guy that has been there forever makes the move. And, you know, as somebody with Chicago roots, the mass exodus of Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo jumps out. Um, But, you know, other guys that have been with an organization for 10 years, have been at the big league level for 10 years, are on a free agent contract, are on a seven-year deal, and they get moved at the end. I'm sure there are are some like rumblings around you moving. Like, I think everybody knew that Rizzo, Baez, Bryant had the opportunity to be moved. But what's the process like for those guys who probably have an apartment in the city, have, you know, like a life in Chicago or elsewhere, and all of a sudden you've got to get up and go. Is it pack a check bag, get on a plane, live at a hotel, and then deal with it in the off season? Pretty much. I think, uh, once again, 
we really need to break this down into family, non-family. If you've yeah. got a family, it's going to be slightly different. If you've got if you've got kids that are in school, they may finish school in Chicago. I, I you know, I, I can't answer that because I don't have kids that are in school yet. I think that it, but for sure, most of the time it's let's get out. We'll get to the new place and figure it out. Whether it's we're going to have the all-star break coming up, whether it's the the end of the year's on the way, we'll just fly back to Chicago and clean out the apartment. Whether it's, hey, babe, will you head back to Chicago and clean it out for us? Whether mm-hmm. it's let's hire a moving company and just get everything shipped. Um, there's, there's, there's a multitude of options. Well, here's an interesting thing, though. In your in your mind, when you're thinking about this, what is the first player that pops into your head of a guy that's like you said that like he was there for a long time? Don't have to be Chicago, but like he was there for a long time and kind of surprisingly got moved. I got a guy, I got a guy in my head that I remember like specifically going, man, I like I didn't think he was going to get moved. I know he didn't probably think that, and he got moved, but he was a high profile guy. Who who do you got? Oh man. Um, in season. Yeah. I'll go for, I'll go for you. I'll go first. So like for me, like when John Lester got traded from Boston to Oakland. Yeah. When that happened, that's a big one. That that was like the, either I could say the first, that was probably the first like big one that I remember going, man, people, cause like people talked for so long about how bad he would hate it if he got traded. Right. And then he got traded. Uh, and, and, you know, I think it all, obviously it all worked out for him. The guy got a lot of money and a world, another world series ring out of it. But I, that's interesting because like he has a family, so he has multiple kids. So when he went from Boston to Oakland, he, I'm assuming he probably left his family there and that'll happen too. You know, I, I think that's, that's probably the most common thing is, Hey, I'm going to head out. I'll, you know, maybe there's an off day. I can come back and try to help you. And then, uh, we'll just try to move everything else in the off season if we can. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess I'm thinking, um, you know, I, I just needed a refresher. Maybe was Tulowitzki moved to the deadline? I know David Price was moved to the deadline from Tampa. That was one that I was yeah. just like, holy smokes. Tulo, what, are you talking about the big Tulo deal? To, the big to Tulo deal from Colorado to Toronto. Yeah. That might have been a deadline. But the deadline, obviously, you're, you're prepped. I'm... I'm thinking maybe like Jock Peterson recent years. Obviously, it's not the level of Lester, but no, you know, I mean, Jock that's... Peterson, where it's it's the first of that mass movement at the beginning of July, and and he's got no idea that it's coming, and all of a sudden that happens. And Jock's not a good example because you know he was on a one year deal; it probably didn't have much shit. Um, you know, maybe also like a Jose Quintana, yeah, right? that's, at the that's deadline there. Quintana that's... is a guy that probably didn't have to move because he went from the White Sox to the Cubs, but that's a guy that wasn't expecting to get dealt. And then all of a sudden the, the price is great and and he yeah. gets dealt. Yeah. So yeah. Juan that Soto. Makes sense. I think, I mean, I think Juan Soto, but you know. Soto might've known. I was thinking actually this year more so hater than Soto because hater was the surprise move. Gosh, yeah. That's, that's so good. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. Right. But I mean, yeah, a, a Josh cool. hater, like he definitely went to San Diego. He had some shit in, in Milwaukee. He do had you, do you, here's here's a here's a Josh Hader question. And then I got a I got a Chicago question for you after this. But Josh Hader, you know, Josh Hader struggled when he went to San Diego. Like yeah. I think Josh Hader, I I if I'm in if I'm in a team this offseason, I'm this next in the offseason of 23 going into 24, I'm paying Josh Hader. I believe in Josh Hader as a reliever. Uh but when he first went to San Diego, he really struggled. 
Like right. not not like a superstar not doing so well. He struggled like he was a bad reliever. Right. Do you think Milwaukee sensed that, and that's why they got rid of him? So he started to struggle at the end of that. I think where Josh Hader and you know this was a big conversation, especially during the postseason. Josh Hader is better on more rest, and I think with how good Devin Williams was, they wanted to start using Josh Hader in unorthodox situations to him where he was like Andrew Miller or like Andrew Miller situations. I think so. But like a a little bit more cut and dry closer. Um, But I'm thinking, Hey, you know, if we run into a problem in the eighth and you threw an inning yesterday, like you might have to go back to back days to get us Uh, out and go to Devin in the ninth. You know what I mean? So it's not highest leverage moment in the game. It's, Almost Liam Hendricks in in how malleable he's been for the White Sox, or right? like Where, like a Roldis Chapman when he was in Chicago, right? Like, right. Like we I'm going to throw you an inning and a third on Thursday. I'm going to you're going to come get an out on on Friday. Well, at the time, I think he could. When did the three out thing happen? When did that happen? Ooh, maybe 2020. Does that sound right? It had to be before that. Right, I'm going to look at 18. Uh, three. But yeah, you looked that up. Um, Hater, I think they were going to start using him in a similar way to Araldus Chapman, right? Where he would, um, you know, throw an inning, and then the next day, if they wanted him to finish the eighth and go to Devin in the ninth, they could do that, right? So yeah, twenty twenty, twenty twenty. So I was thinking maybe that, and they started to realize that he really struggled when he didn't get adequate rest and he wasn't he needed, cut and dry closer. He needed to be the closer. He needed to be the closer, and he needed to be the closer on you know two days rest or so. And that's Josh Hader. Um, so that that was my thought around that. Here, here's my here's my uh, here's my like hot take for your AL East fans. My hot take uh, for the Orioles fans is I actually think that DL Hall could be the best version of Andrew Miller. I've said so this too. since I've said this since I saw DL Hall pitch. I've I've caught DL Hall. I've faced DL Hall. The stuff is really good. The mindset is really good. Nothing against him. And I think that he got offended when I said this. And like people looked at me like I was crazy. But man, like I, nothing against him in, in starting. I just really think he is most valuable as a guy to give me two innings every other day. And I think he can do that. I think he could do exactly what you're saying. I hope they do that to him. I know that's a potential. I know that's what they're thinking about. Um, I that is man. I I just if they do that, that bullpen becomes really good. I think you're gonna make a lot of baseball fans really happy when they hear that. Obviously, DL Hall probably doesn't want that. He wants to be a starting pitcher, just like everybody. Everybody wants yep. to be a starting pitcher. But if you are best. If you have a chance of being a $50 million guy like we've seen Robert Suarez and Rafael Montero become this offseason, why would you not give yourself an opportunity to be a $50 million guy when there are so many flaws there in you as a starting pitcher? And the reality is D.L. Hall has the potential to be significantly better than Robert Suarez. Yes. No offense to Robert Suarez, but like Robert Suarez got $50 million based off of Japan and almost a full year in Major League Baseball. Hall's 100 with a nasty change. Yeah. Like, D.L. Hall could get up there, have a good year and a half, and sign for maybe not not an Edwin Diaz deal, but he could get 70, you know? 
Okay, so here, let's go back to Chicago now. Here's my Chicago question for you. And this is something that, like, I've been racking my brain around just because I have a certain opinion about it. But so you mentioned that, you know, when we were going through this process, that Chris, uh, Javi, Rizzo, Wilson, those guys kind of knew they were going to get moved. Do you think that Chicago should have kept any of them? Um, Because they did. So, like, if you remember, when the core came up, it was Chris, Javi, Addison Russell, Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, Kyle Schwarber, Albert Almora. Yeah. Every one of those guys, you can put Ian Happ in that, kind of. He didn't win the World Series. But you can put Ian Happ in that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but if you put Ian Happ in that, Ian Happ's the last one left of the position players. Right. Do you think that Chicago should have kept any of those guys? that's a really good question um in the moment i wish they kept brian and rizzo and everybody else walked um because those two were the stars of chicago at the time you know what i mean it was it was a bromance and they were so fun off the field um there was a lot like i thought that those were the two that would impact season tickets and game tickets more than anybody else. More than Javi? More than Javi. Um, I think Cubs fans in 2021, when they did move all of them, um, knew that Javi was a flawed baseball player. And I think that they were ready to move off of the frustration of the Javi Baez experience. I think Chris Bryant, they loved. And I think Anthony Rizzo, obviously, they loved because he's a, you know, a charismatic guy. So... Rizzo, you are spot on. To me, Rizzo was Chicago. Rizzo Honestly, was Chicago. If they but, were not going to move one, it should have been Rizzo. Totally. And now, here's what I'll give you with Chris and Rizzo. Like, So, for one, Chris is a Boris guy. So, you pretty much knew he wasn't going to take an extension. Therefore, I'll trade him. And, and see, But see, like this goes back to the conversation. Gosh, dang it. I'm doing it again. This goes back to a conversation we had previously where it's like, I'm surprised that Chicago didn't go to Chris and go, Chris, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to trade you to San Francisco. We're going to get three massive pieces. And I want to resign you in the offseason. Yeah. And we're going to have a major league ready piece and two guys that are going to be up in two years. Yeah. I don't know why that doesn't happen more. Uh, so anyway, back to it, though. You knew he wasn't going to take an extension. He's going to hit the market. Guys that are going to hit them for for the for the listeners, guys that are going to hit the market, those are the guys you trade because it's not worth running the risk of um, am I going to sign him or not if I can get something for him. Right. In you my run into opinion, the Xander Bogarts issue where Bogarts, yeah. it's like all of a sudden you have nothing to show for Xander Bogarts except for a comp pick. Exactly. If you're gonna if you're gonna lose a guy, you might as well trade him. Rizzo was the face of Chicago. He was the face of like the face of Chicago, not the face of the Cubs. He was the biggest. I, I think maybe at the time you could probably say Anthony Rizzo was the biggest athlete in Chicago. Like I mean, baseball's always, especially the Cubs, they're always going to be bigger than hockey. And you got Taze and Kane here, but Rizzo's always going to be bigger than Taze and Kane. He was way bigger than Mitch Trubisky when the Bears sucked. Right. He was way bigger than any White Sox and the Bulls. Who did he who did he have to compete with? Like Mark and Levine? Saying. Nothing. But so here's but here's your devil's advocate to that is that Rizzo took a early extension and really wanted to get what he was worth. 
Yeah. And I, and I understand that, but I do think that that one was more manageable. Like that was less of a, that was less of a, of, um, like, a. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like, I think you could have made that work more so than like Chris was going to probably take the highest offer wherever he was able to do. He's a Scott Boris guy. That's what Scott's shown that he does. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Anthony would have done that. I think you probably could have kept him. I was always under the impression you should have kept Rizzo and Javi. And I liked Javi. Uh, I I like Javi as a baseball player. I like Javi as a person. But the reason I thought you should have kept Rizzo and Javi was because Javi wanted to be in Chicago. And I think there's something to be said about guys that love the city they're in actively and openly. And that plays a big role, not only in just like how the fans do, but their city interaction and what the change that they're going to bring in that city. Anthony Rizzo did a lot of really good stuff for uh, the city of Mesa and Arizona and Chicago with the hospitals and so on and so forth. And I really think that guys that are, you know, that love their city, that truly appreciate where they're at, they're they're going to do more for their city. They're going to do more for their area. It's the Joey Votto scenario. Like Joey Votto has become Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio loves Joey Votto. I mean, like unrelenting love for Joey Votto. And and that's why he's going to have his number retired. And honestly, has a better Hall of Fame case because he is a red. He's not a guy that bounced around. It was really good. I I mean, you're you're not wrong. And I think that I I think that you're going to start seeing that a little bit more. I think guys are going to start being more proud of where they came from. They're going to be more proud of where they are. A little bit of it is like it adds it adds to your competition level. Aaron Judge. If Aaron Judge doesn't become a Yankee, how do you, like it, it's just an odd scenario. But now that he's a Yankee for life, he is. I just feel like let's like Johnny Damon. Johnny right. Damon goes from one to the other, no doubt. Johnny Damon's an incredible baseball player, but that had to be an awkward, awkward scenario. And neither side really liked him because of that. Right, Jacoby Ellsbury, same thing. Same thing. So, uh, you know, I I think that. Guys are starting, and we talked about it a little bit in Atlanta. Guys are taking pride in where they're at yeah. and trying to prove, like, hey, like we're the best. It's almost like a like a college football mentality. Like these guys mm-hmm. are all like, look, like we're the best, and even if we lose this year, we're still the best, and we're going to show you why we're the best. Yeah, love it, man. This was good. Uh, we're talking to Rockies reliever Pierce Johnson on Friday. Uh, I can't wait to talk to him about pitching at Coors Field. I gotta know. I have so many questions in that. Regard. How about how about uh wait till you hear about me and him getting our hair cut together? You Ooh. probably don't know that story. No, I don't know that story. Yeah, charity, charity, fifty thousand dollars. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, all right. I gotta hear that story. Yeah. <laughs> That's Taylor Davis. I'm Jack McMullen. Like, subscribe, do whatever you gotta do to show us some love on this podcast. Of course, go listen to the Just Baseball Show and the Call Up. And folks, we'll talk to you Friday. Please, thank you guys. <laughs>